you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Okay, why don't you turn over to Proverbs chapter 3 again this morning. We spent some time there last week. We're going to go back there this morning. Proverbs chapter 3, we are talking about the subject, choosing the way of the Lord. We're in about our fourth week in that. And while you're turning there, I'll just remind you our foundation verse uh, verses in this are Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, where the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we've uh, said every week that ways, our ways, are the habitual patterns by which we live, our habitual patterns of behavior. Our, our ways are not just what we think, but our thoughts are intimately connected. Our, our ways develop out of habitual patterns of thinking. Uh, many of our ways are developed in family. Many of our ways are developed by watching other people, uh, whoever we have picked, to influence our life. And we're impressed with the way they live. And we'll begin to adopt their ways. Uh, married couple, many times, you know, when, whenever you're in close relationship with somebody, over time, you know, we all we make jokes about this, how married couples, as they get older, start to look like each other. <laughs> they start to do things like each other. And that's because we begin to share ways. This is what the Bible means when it talks about ways. Well, God has ways too. He has habitual ways of doing things. The difference is his are perfect and ours aren't. Uh, the difference is that, that he approaches things uh, according to his nature, his word, what he has declared, who he is. Okay, But we have to recognize that we all have ways a lot of them are subconscious. And I think that's the real key in everything we're looking at is we have ways of doing things, ways of thinking, ways of approach. We don't even think about it, right? That's what ways are. They're subconscious. And so we need the help of the Holy Spirit to have our ways become God's ways. And there's a place in that process where we make choices. We, we, in fact, we start that process by choosing God's ways just from our heart. Lord, I want my ways to be your ways. I want your ways to be my ways. I guess is a better way to say that, right? So in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, uh, we looked at some of this last week. I'm going to add some to it. Uh, it. It begins, it says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Do not rely on your own insight and understanding. Okay? In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. So last week we started talking about this lean on and trust in. Many of your translations just say trust in. But in the Bible, trusting in or having faith in, uh, a part of that is it, 
faith always moves us, genuine biblical faith moves us. It, it, we'll, we'll probably look at some other ideas about that in a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead. But what we trust in, we will begin to lean on. Okay, when we lean on something, we're putting our weight against it, right? And the reason we're putting our weight against it is because maybe we're tired, maybe we're lacking strength, maybe whatever. Uh, and, and so we don't lean on things that are weaker than us. Or if we do, we fall down. Okay, we tend to, we want to lean on something that has the strength to hold us up. And that is a part of faith. In the New Testament, I don't remember if I brought this out last week or not. Uh, there's the word faith, and there are a number of words that are related to the root word that is translated faith. One of them that the Apostle John especially uses over and over and over is translated in our Bibles by the word believe, okay, or believing. And that word is a little different. It comes from the word faith. But it is the idea of not just, I think the way, it's, uh, the way it's defined in a Bible dictionary is not mere credence. In other words, not just mere, okay, I see that I agree with that, right? Credence. I'm giving credence to that. I'm saying, yeah, that's true. That's what credence is, okay? Not mere credence, but reliance upon. So believing goes a step beyond faith. Believing is produced by faith. It is a reliance upon, okay, I, I give it credence. I believe what God said. Now I'm starting to put the weight of my, I'm, I'm starting sort of, I'm taking a risk here. I, I'm, I'm going to start acting as if what God said was true, okay? And I'm not suggesting, maybe I am, there's a place for us just to decide to do that. I see what God said. I'm going to start putting that to work in my life. Okay, there's a place for that. But better than that is we spend the time hearing what God said, meditating what God said, until it actually produces this, I don't know what to call faith. Some people call it a spiritual force. And people get upset with that because they, they think, oh, that's, you know, you're... You're saying it sounds new agey to them. Well, it is a spiritual force. It is spiritual. It's not just emotional. That's what I'm trying to get at. Faith is not just an emotion of trust. Biblical faith is something deeper than that. It happens in our spirit. It is a, it is a supernatural confidence that actually comes from God into us. And even if our, motion, our emotions and our thoughts are still shifting around, we have some you know, doubtful questions swinging around in our minds, in our hearts, there's still this confidence. That's faith. That's biblical faith, okay? And when we have that, if we spend that time with God, we hear his word, we hear what he's speaking to us, and, and he imparts that faith to us, okay? We talked that through last week real clearly. Romans 10, 17 tells us, faith comes by a continual hearing of what the Spirit is speaking to us. Okay, that's where faith comes from. We don't, God doesn't say something and stand back and wait for us to work up trust. Okay, he gives it to us. His word contains trust because he's, 
speaks it in trust and it carries that seed. It comes into our hearts and if we receive it, we meditate on it, there is a supernatural confidence that grows in our hearts that the Bible calls faith. So our emotions can still be waving around. We can still be freaking out a little bit. But down in here, there's confidence. That's faith, okay? If we allow that to be built into us, the Bible teaches us that we will be motivated to do things differently, and that is believing. We will begin to lean on what we trust in. And that's true of anything. If you trust in your money, you're going to lean on your money. If you're trusting in another person, you're going to lean on that person. If you're trusting in a political party, you're going to lean on that political party. It doesn't matter what it is, and none of those things can uphold your life, but God can. Okay? Does that make sense? So, <clears throat> so he tells us here, trust in the Lord. Lean on trust in the Lord. And that word trust from the Hebrew means a heart level confidence. It's happening in the heart that produces a sense of peace, safety, and security that exists independent of our natural circumstances. So your, your natural circumstances can still really stink. It can look as if things are going really badly, and yet there's this trust in you. Where'd that come from? It came from God. God gives us faith. And that, that needs to be the source of our faith. Again, I'll just say this one more time. I, I think a lot of us think that God is waiting for us to come up with faith and that he is displeased with us if we don't come up with faith. No, God is our partner in every area, but certainly in this one. And that's why the scripture says, faith comes by continually hearing. That term hearing is in the present continual tense. We're hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing what God, the living spoken word of God into our hearts. That is where faith comes from. And so I'm getting way, way, way ahead of myself. Oh, well. Um, so what we find is that in us human beings, faith can rise and faith can fall. Okay. So we can have, we can be really strong in faith in an area at one point in our life, Maybe something else comes against us. Maybe we just haven't been listening to the Lord in that area for a while and something comes along and all of a sudden we realize, wow, I'm, I, I used to be really strong in this area. I never doubted God in this area. Now I'm feeling this on the inside. That's not a point to become condemned. That's not a point to feel critical of yourself and, and to say, okay, God, wait a minute, wait a minute. I will work up some faith here. No, that's a point to go back to the word in that subject and rebuild, hear what God said again, and rebuild that faith. Jesus asked his disciples a couple of times, but that one time, remember, they'd been listening to him teach all day, got in a boat, storm came up, and he was asleep. Remember that? And, and they woke him up, freaking out, and he calmed the storm. And they turned around to them, and he said, where is your faith? And I don't think he was beaten up on them. I mean, maybe a little bit. They were his disciples. But, you know, but I don't think that was the point. I think the point was it was a legitimate question. You've been hearing the word all day. Where's your faith? Because they should have been full of faith. I mean, the implication is there they should rebuke the storm and let him sleep. Okay. And, and so, and why could he ask that? Well, because they'd been hearing the word all day. So, that leads us into, we all know from things Jesus taught other places in the Bible, we can be hearing but not hearing, right? We can be hearing but not taking something in. We can be hearing but still letting the circumstance look bigger to us, all those types of things, okay? So 
So this is a process that we need to understand if we're going to move in to leaning on, trusting and leaning on what the Lord has said. And in that process, our ways, we adopt his ways in that process. Okay, we begin to do things differently because faith moves us to do things differently. All right. Um, well, let's just, let's just go on. Um, in verse 6 then, he tells us, in all your ways. Okay, now again, I'm of the opinion, I think this is right, I don't know all my ways. You know, I know some of my ways. I, you know, Karen knows some of my ways probably better than I do. Uh, you know, when you're when you're a child, I think your mother knows your ways <laughs> better than you do. Point is, a lot of this is subconscious. It's not that I decide to respond this way when something happens. It's that this is the way I've always done it. It's become habitual. I'm not even aware of it until the Holy Spirit highlights it. And to me, that's part of the growth process. Again, that's not a that's that's not him being critical. That's not him condemning us at all. It's him wanting to grow us. And so throughout our life, as we seek God, he'll, he will highlight different things. And sometimes we recognize. I mean, I've had, I've had many situations where I go along, something, some certain thing happens, and I find something come up in me or a desire to handle that a certain way that I know is not what God would want. It's not the way he would do it. And so knowing, I know that God's on my side in this. So I'll stop there and go, okay, Lord, why do I do that? Why do I respond that way? Because I know that's not the way you would have me respond. You know, show me, please show me and, and change this in me. You invite him in to your ways, okay? And we can do that on a more general level of just praying that prayer. Lord, I see this in your word. I'm supposed to uh, know and recognize you and acknowledge you in all my ways. So, Lord, I'm doing that right now. I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to deal with my ways. No doubt he always already is in the transformation that he's bringing to your life. He's already doing that. But I love to just invite him in, just open the doors, you know, just open everything wide open so he can deal with it. And sometimes it's uncomfortable when he comes along because some, a lot of times he'll begin to show us what, maybe what happened or, you know, what pattern, what hurt caused us to begin to act this way or whatever it is. And, and sometimes we, we got to deal with those roots. We got to let him deal with those roots. But he does it lovingly and gently and it's good for God to be able to come in and kill off bad roots and plant new seed in our life. I mean, that's always, it brings us into blessing. It changes our lives. So, so a lot of those ways are not known to us. And so when we're presenting our ways to him, oftentimes that's where we discover what, what our ways. Is this making sense to you? Okay. So this, this verse tells us, know God in our ways. I believe that means we need to know his nature and, and how my way is, you know, different than his way. I, I want to know what's, what's your way here. I want to know his word in that way because the word of God is the revealed 
will of God. Okay, so those he's always going to agree with his word. All right. And, and so I want to know that when any situation comes up, I want to turn back and know him in that place, in that reaction, in that response, in that feeling, in that emotion, in that whether, you know, I, I want to know him in that place. And then it says to recognize him, which means to give him the floor. Okay. So in other words, I'm going to quiet my own opinions, okay? It, it, it said, don't lean on your own insight and understanding. At, at this place, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know him. I'm going to recognize him by relinquishing my insight and understanding. Um, I see, I'll just bring this into the church setting. I mean, there's, you can take this into any setting, but I see a lot of discussions online by people who've gotten uh, burnt out about church. And they've been, some of them have definitely been uh, abused in some way in church. Some of them um, not so much, but they've, for whatever reason, adopted an opinion about church and they're very vocal about it. And yet what they, even if they have experienced something negative in church, that's not God's picture of what the church is supposed to be. And there are places where it's not like that. And usually the things I'm reading, all churches are like this, you know. And uh, so that's their opinion. That's their viewpoint. That's their insight and understanding. And they're very vocal about it. But the thing is, God, if we look into the word, he loves the gathering of believers. He has from day one. That gathering is something he has encouraged all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. We are told not only don't forsake assembling of yourselves together, but do it more and more as time goes on. So God loves that. And there are things that he specifically only does in us in the gathering that he doesn't do in our private time. So, so those people, I'm not being critical here. It's just the truth. They're missing, just like I was in a big part of my life, they're missing that whole aspect, let alone their plugging in, their finding that place of anointed service. They're missing all of that in their Christianity and they're allowing hurt or bitterness or something to create a way in their, in their life. And so when we're going to acknowledge him at this point, that means I, I give him the floor, Okay. This is what he says. It hasn't been my, maybe it hasn't been my experience. Maybe I, maybe I haven't had that experience. Nevertheless, this is what God says. So I'm going to relinquish my experience and say, Lord, show me. Show me what your heart is toward the situation. Show me how would you do this? What What is your way here, Lord? I want to receive that. And that can take some time to turn around in my heart. But the Holy Spirit is so good. God is so good. And he'll keep speaking to us and speaking to us and, and bring us into a different experience. That can be true of marriage or family or, or church or business or any area of life, you know, where we have developed a, a viewpoint, an insight, an understanding that is not in line with God's insight and understanding. And in God's insight and understanding, in God's ways, God's ways are blessed. So if we want to walk in that abundant life that Jesus has come to give us, we need to be moving in his ways. That makes sense to you. 
Okay? And then finally, it tells us to acknowledge him in the middle of our ways. And that term, you know, we've now we have recognized, I gave you the floor, Lord, I'm going to listen. I'm shutting up. I'm going to listen to, you know, to what you're saying and accept it as truth. Then we want to acknowledge him. We want to personally, intentionally, emphatically agree with him, whether we understand it yet or not, whether we have ever experienced it that way or not. If it's God's viewpoint, then we want to listen to his voice and yield to his authority. And basically, I mean, our response needs to be Roger that. Right? Or you can say amen if you want to. But that's what amen means in the Greek. It means Roger that. Okay? It, it means yes, sir. Okay? So be it is what it actually means. So it means bring it into being. Okay? I'm agreeing with it. When we do that in the midst of our ways, okay, then it says he will direct and make straight and plain your paths, all right? And our paths are, we're moving in our ways along a path in life. Paths have a tread, right? A place that we're walking that's designed for walking. Paths have a destination. They have a route by which they get to the destination and they have boundaries, it's the path or it's not the path, okay? And he's going to direct or redirect our paths. Um, most of you know Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The, the Passion Translation there, I love this, says, truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear, Okay? And so this is how, I mean, this process is how we bring him in. If he's going to redirect our path, sometimes we're on a path that is not going to good places. You know, and the scripture tells us that, that you know, something might look right to man, but it is not right to God. And it's not that it's just wrong, it's, it's going to take us into destruction. So, God wants us, Jesus made it clear, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, okay? So usually in order to change our path, we've got to change what we think. We've got to change those habitual ways, uh, you know, those daily, the way we think daily, the, our, our daily habits that we're not thinking about. And usually, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but usually for us to change a big habit, we have to change a bunch of mini habits, We've got to, you know, uh, if you want to lose weight, you've got to change a whole bunch of little things that you eat, that you do, that you, you know. I remember back when I smoked cigarettes, which was a long time ago, lived in North Dakota. There are mile, more than a mile long trains. They'd try and keep them to a mile so they could park between roads and you could still get through. But Because every road in North Dakota is exactly a mile apart and it either runs straight north and south or straight east and west. It's a very fascinating and fun place to live. Anyway, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, not really sorry. Um, anyway, so lots of people, their habit was you get stopped at a train. It's going to take quite a while. You light a cigarette. Okay, so stupid. Anyway, it was a habit. So when I quit smoking, one of the things I had to change was what I did at a railroad crossing. You know, I mean, it's just because 
because that's where that would rise up within you. And so I wasn't walking with God in those days, but had I been, I think that's one thing the Lord would have addressed is, okay, do something different right here, you know? And, and he does that. He changes little. And, and so, you know, again, we've got to be paying attention. We've got to be inviting him in, listening to him, giving him the floor, and then saying, yes, sir, I'll, I'll change that. And so it really makes it easier. It's easier to change a little tiny habit. That's the problem with all these New Year's resolutions. We always take the big chunk. I'm not doing that this year for at least the first four hours, you know. And, and that's about the way it works. And instead, in reality, we just usually he'll just start addressing little things. And, they, and sometimes they surprise me, you know, what he brings up. And it's a, it's a small thing. It's like, oh, I never thought about that. But that always leads to a different path. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so that's how he wants to do this. Now, I want to spend a little bit more time. I want to dig in uh, to the whole truth about faith uh, for the rest of today and maybe next week, I don't know, uh, because one of God's ways is the way of faith. And I think I said this to you last week, we don't always think about God moving in faith. We just think we are supposed to have faith and, and we are, we need to have faith. But if God didn't move in faith, he wouldn't want us to move in faith. And why do I say that? Because God is absolutely confident about what he says and what he does. And again, that's why hearing his word produces faith in us because he speaks it out of a totally confident heart. So it may be carrying healing to you or it may be carrying emotional healing or it may be carrying, you know, breaking an addiction. Whatever that word is carrying, it's also carrying faith because God spoke it in confidence. And so that seed comes in and builds it in us. So God never doubts what he says or what he does. He doesn't second guess himself. He doesn't question, you know, and, and I think I used that example last week that he didn't say light be and then wait to see if it was going to work. And when light came on, whoa, dude, Jesus, this, it worked. Check it out. He doesn't move that way. He he's, is a God of faith. And that's why we're to be a people of faith. All right. So if you haven't gone there already, we're going to look at Romans chapter four and begin in verse 17. Uh, we'll get through a little bit of this. This is just a great passage that tells us a number of things about faith. When we are living in faith, we live differently. We, we do things differently. And that includes and, and what we're going to talk about today really strongly impacts our conversation, how we talk about things, and our prayer life. All right? And I know we won't get to all of that today. Are you still with me? All right, so Romans 4, verse 17, is talking about Abraham, right? And uh, it says, as it is written, so this is a quote from the Old Testament, God speaking, I have made, I, God, have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. All right. This is part of the way of God. He is a God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. 
First thing I want you to notice is that God addressed identity in Abraham before he addressed behavior or actions. Okay, he told Abraham, the first thing he did was tell Abraham who he was. All right, and, and it, I think in the Amplified Bible it says that he said, I've made you the father, you are the father of many nations in God's sight. Okay, so the point here is how God sees us and who he has declared us to be in Christ. That is our identity. And the Lord will almost always deal with an identity issue in us when he's trying to change a way in us. Okay, and what I mean by that is we need to know who we are in Christ. It's one of the most foundational things that we need to draw out of the scripture. You are a child of God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're a child of God, you're a child of God all the time and for eternity. Not only when you're acting like a child of God. We don't always act like children of God, but it is who we are. And if we are going to increasingly act like children of God, we need to have deep in our hearts that I'm a child of God. We belong to him. The Bible tells us you belong to him. It says you are his precious possession. You are before him priests and kings. You are a holy, unique, precious family to him. These are all things that are true of us, whether we feel it or not. These are, this is who we are. The Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, You are the righteousness of God in Christ. We just talked about this a couple of weeks ago in, uh, on Tuesday nights. And, and we were talking about that. We were, we were discussing around this subject. And, and one of the things I said is, you know what? We need to say that to ourselves out loud and about ourselves daily and, and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ and see what happens in your heart. If, you know, if, if you feel guilty saying that, and I'm not being critical here. <laughs> this, is, this is just growth stuff. If you feel guilty saying that, you're not fully grasping the grace of God and the gospel because this is the truth. This is who you are. God's comfortable with it. Let's put it that way. You're just agreeing with what God already said. That's all you're doing. If, so if you feel guilty, if you feel unworthy, okay, well, you are unworthy. I am unworthy, but that's not the point. That's the whole point of grace is that Again, said it earlier, it's a gift. What gift did you ever deserve? It is who you are. It is what God says about you. And, and okay, well, I'm not, I'm not, my behavior isn't perfect. That's not what righteousness means. It means you have the same right standing with God or you have the same right relationship with God that Jesus does. So what should we feel when we think about that? I think we're all gonna feel awe. We're gonna feel amazed that God did this, that's a good thing, okay? We're gonna feel humbled, but that's not guilty or condemned, okay? Just just humbled. I, I'm always humbled by all these truths. It's like, Lord, you are so good. I'm gonna hopefully feel grateful. That's good. I'm so thankful, God, because I could never have done this on my own. That's the whole point of everything is I couldn't do this on my own. 
you gave this to me. I'm so grateful. And let that gratitude flow. Let that thanksgiving flow. Let it lead you into praise and worship and adoration. And whenever you're doing that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep impacting your heart. It's going to keep digging that truth, putting the roots of that truth down in your heart. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. The devil has no right in my life. I am, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am, I am, Jesus said I'm his friend. Yeah, I'm his servant. I'm his disciple. I'm all those things. But he also said I'm his friend. Blows my mind. It's okay to have your mind blown. It's, it's not okay to reject it out of a sense of guilt or condemnation. If that's happening, then we have to go, okay, God, I'm here to, to know because I know you're on my side in this process. So I feel guilty when I say that. I feel there's got to be, there's a root of shame or there's something, there's religion maybe that I've learned growing up. Maybe you went to church every week and we're told what a horrible thing you were before God and you should feel guilty and you put Jesus on the cross and all that kind of stuff. Whatever it is, something got in you and you want God to get it out. And he's happy to do that. Okay, so we just agree with him. We just, uh, but that's an identity issue. It's who you are, not what you do, because what you do will flow out of who you are, who you believe that you are. Okay, so if the behavior is going to change, if God's going to, you know, what he's doing with Abraham here is he's giving him an impossible call on his life. This guy is 100 years old. His wife is, whatever it is, 90-something. Farther down, the graphic graphic declaration of the scripture is Abraham was impotent at 100 years old. Can we blame him? Okay. Uh, But, I mean, that's what it says specifically. He was impotent. Her womb was dead, meaning she was way past menopause. And, and so, and God said, I'm making you the father of many nations. Wow. But it's an identity issue. And now we know Abraham as the father of faith, the father of the Jewish family, but also the father of all of us grafted in by faith. Okay. God brought this to pass. But the first thing he addressed was identity. That's the same thing when the scripture says Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. It doesn't say Jesus acted like a sinner so that we could act like a righteous person. Didn't, it's not behavior. It's identity. It's who we are. And as, we, as that identity gets on the inside of us, we will change. We will just change what we do. We won't even have to work very hard at it. We will change. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So it goes on and it says, sorry, I'm just trying to decide if I should continue in this or go somewhere else. You know what? Let's let's jump over to the book of Hebrews real quick. I just feel like we need to, Stand on this for a minute. Hebrews chapter 11, which is a, an entire chapter about faith, right? Or people of faith. I guess I didn't bookmark it. 
Hebrews chapter 11. I just want to show you this just to nail down something I've been saying this morning. And I'm going to look at this from the Amplified Bible because the Amplified Bible brings this out. It's, it's true across the board. But the Amplified Bible brings out the fact that faith toward God is, it will change what we do. It's a motivator, okay? It's an actuator in our life. When we have genuine biblical faith at work in our lives, we will do things differently. We'll do things we never would have done. We will do things that seem impossible. Uh, I like, I think Bill Johnson has that quote that, you know you've actually come to a place of faith when the impossible looks totally logical. That's when we know we're in a place of faith, okay? Um, but here in, and, and I'll just go through this. Uh, if you don't have an amplified Bible there, it won't, it won't read this way. But um, it, it, it begins clear back in verse two. It, it says, for by faith, trust and holy fervor born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony. Okay, uh, by faith we understand the worlds were formed. That's verse three. Verse four, prompted and actuated by faith, Abel brought to God a better, more acceptable sacrifice. Okay, verse five, because of faith, Enoch was caught up, transferred to heaven. Okay, verse seven, prompted by faith, Noah did what he did. Verse eight, urged on by faith, Abraham did what he did. Verse nine, prompted by faith, he did this. Okay, um, and you can go on down. I'm going to do more of them because I just want to drill this into us today. With the eyes, this is verse 20, with the eyes of faith, Isaac looked into the future. Verse 21, prompted by faith, Jacob blessed his kids. Verse 22, actuated by faith, Joseph did such and such. Prompted by faith, Moses. Aroused by faith, Moses. Um, Motivated, verse 27, motivated by faith, he left Egypt. Uh, verse 29, urged on by faith, people crossed the Red Sea. Because of faith, walls of Jericho, Jericho fell down. Verse 31, prompted by faith, Rahab the prostitute. Okay, it goes on and on and on. And the book, of it, it's telling us when faith is working in us, it'll prompt us. Again, this comes back to, we'll begin to lean on, we'll begin to believe, we'll begin to rely on, we'll begin to put the weight of our life on what faith has convinced our heart of, okay? This is why faith is so central to our walk with God. We are never told that we are just supposed to see what he said and somehow gut out trust and do the right thing. I mean, sometimes we need to just hear and obey. Okay, got it. But there's something more than that. There's a better place than that. And that's the place of actually letting your intimacy with God develop actual faith in your heart, which produces, James tells us, produces corresponding actions to that faith. Is this making sense? Is this okay? And I, and I just want you to really get that thought today that, okay, I want to change my ways. Well, the first thing I do is I got to go to God. I got to spend that time with God. 
And I've got to let him breathe into me whatever he wants to breathe into me. He's the disciple or I'm not. I'm not going to go and say, okay, God, I don't like this way. So fix this, 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 and this. No, I'm going to go and say, show me. What do you want to say about the way I respond to this? The way I do this? What do you want to say? Because whatever you want to say, that's the path. That's the road. That's where I want to go. Okay, that makes sense to you? We've got just a couple more minutes. I'm going to go back to uh, Romans chapter 4. We'll just pick up one more, uh, one more thing here. And if I can convince you of this, then we can pick this up another time. Okay? So the first thing he addressed in Abraham was identity. He said, you are the father of many nations before he said, leave your family and go over here. Okay? Um, then it told us that this is God's nature. He calls those things that do not yet exist as, all the, as though they already existed. Two things. He speaks life where there's no evidence of life. He calls things that are not yet as though they were. Okay? What, and uh, you, can, you can just write this down. Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10. Let me read it to you. This is God speaking. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So we need to expect God to be speaking. We're facing a situation, whether it's internal or external. Maybe it's just something I really need to see change in my heart. Maybe it's an external thing. What's God going to do? He's going to begin to show us the end from the beginning or declare his promise that doesn't look like it exists. There, there's maybe a situation in your life where, where there's, you know, death doesn't mean dying physically necessarily. It just means all the stuff that comes from sin. So maybe there's a relationship that's important to you. It's dead. Okay. It's, there's just death there. Uh, what God's going to have us do is not go in prayer to him or in conversation with everybody around us every day and just talk about how dead the situation is. Oh, that relationship. You know, I want to pray for my Aunt Sue. You know what, God, I want to bring my Aunt Sue before you. She is mean as a snake. She is just, she's awful. She just says terrible things. Lord, she, she hurt this cousin and she hurt that person. And, and she's just awful. She has a lot of bad habits, God. I, I just, I'm bringing her before you today. And I'm just telling you, she's a nightmare, Okay. <laughs> That's not the kind of prayer God's looking for. Instead, what does God think about Aunt Sue? Did Jesus shed his blood for her? We start to declare the promises of God over Aunt Sue. We start to declare the grace and the blessing of God over her. We look at our communities, you know, and we can see all the negative stuff. We can say, Lord, I want to lift up Gunnison to you today. You know what? The government sucks. Uh, the, the whole system sucks here. You know, it's so hard to live. The housing, look at the housing, God. It's terrible. The housing situation is just awful, Lord. It's so hard to live. It's such a hard place to live. People, that guy wasn't nice to me at City Market the other day either, you know? And I mean, we can, and, and we do, we, we complain to God instead of starting to say, God, you created this gorgeous valley and I'm so thankful to live here. And he already knows it has problems. What did you have in mind? And what do you have in mind for it today? 
And I'm telling you, stuff will start to flow out of your mouth that you are not seeing. I don't care where you live. We live here. I don't care where you live. You can pray blessing or you can pray cursing over the place that you live, over your family, over your spouse, over your... And if every time you get together, all you're doing is net, 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 and oh, the newspaper did this and the you know, city council did that, all you're doing is repeating the problem. God doesn't do that. That is not the kind of prayer that Jesus modeled for us either. I don't have time to go there today. But Jesus modeled declaring God's will, God's blessing over situations. We're calling those things that don't exist yet as though they were. Okay? And we're, and we're not calling things that do exist as if they were not. We're not just trying to erase the current situation. We are, we are speaking a higher truth over it. Okay, I've got a lot more to say about that, but we're out of time today. But I just wanted you to at least get that and think about it. God's a God. He speaks life into death. And he calls those things that are not yet as though they already were. That's what faith does. Because, Hebrews 11:1, faith perceives as real fact the things that are not evident to the senses yet. Okay, I got to stop. I got to stop. Did you get anything out of this? All right, let's pray. You can stand up. Probably would be a good idea. I don't know why. It's just what we do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, my trust right now, I spouted a lot of stuff here today. My trust, Lord, is in the Holy Spirit to breathe these truths into us. All of us have ways that need to become your ways. And Lord, we are wide open to you continuing always to work in our lives and work in our hearts and, and produce. Lord, we are called and we are born again into the image of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I believe it is being produced. It is growing on the inside of us. And Lord, I especially right now, in light of all this, help us to change our conversation and our prayer life to match what you have for us. And Lord, show us in our hearts. Help us to see in our hearts your vision for us, for our spouse, our kids, our grandkids, our, our extended families, our community, our church, our financial life, our businesses, all of it, God. We need your vision working in us so that we can live from that, lean into that, and we can be the church in this place, calling in blessing into the place in which we live. Father, we thank you for all of that. And again, I just pray these truths would be working in our hearts. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. And then um, we'll be back here at 6 o'clock tonight. I hope you'll join us for Remedy. I'm sure there's some good snacks out there. You guys go out there this week and be the church of Jesus Christ. Expect the Holy Spirit to bust you about your words. I know he does it to me all the time. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. I guess I was supposed to say one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.